Carter. I'm Eloa. And I'm Erin. And if you don't know three black bitches who love true crime, you do now. This is the I Ain't a Killer podcast. Welcome back, Killer Bees. Welcome hey. back, friends. I was looking at my phone, my bad. <laughs> no, you can. <laughs> I don't know if it gives y'all a notification when we start recording on your end. It shows it it's like live on the uh, corner. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wasn't looking up, so my bad. <laughs> no, yeah. Welcome I'm back. Into this, um, this current in crime. Like, oh, I know. I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> in the House of Commons. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, but speaking of House of the Dragons, listen, everything, everything that has happened is a crime. Did you finally start watching? Yes. I'm. Um. I need to watch one more episode. Like I think wow. I, I, did, I didn't watch the finale. And I, I, I keep seeing on my TikTok, everybody was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I've been rooting for incest like the past <laughs> eight weeks." And then I see some feet, and I'm out of here. <laughs> Somehow that was so much more emotionally damaging. Right, no, but I love Rhaenyra. I loved her since like the first scene. We and stand really, Ray Ray. We stand Ray. I really feel kind of fucked up because I feel like they was trying to imply that she was queer. So I thought some like some gay shit was gonna happen, and then it did it. And I'm like, okay, cool. But she, I she mean, a bit. I felt that too. And then Emma Darcy, the person who plays the older Rhaenyra, is queer. So it's like mm-hmm. I don't think we're way off base. I feel like it would be possible in a different world under different circumstances. Yeah, most definitely. I, I feel and I fuck with that because these niggas they be writing these fantasy novels with dragons and fucking witches and I don't know zombies and shit, but can't have no bitches bumping coochies. Like that's just I don't know. Like <laughs> I mean, I will say Game of Thrones got lots of queer niggas. Mm. Like I mean, even her husband. Well, I don't want to do spoilers. Sorry, y'all. if you haven't watched House of the no, Dragon, I'm fucking with it. I'm fucking with it. But also, like queer women, did they also have that? In the original Game of Thrones, there were a couple, or at least one I can think of right off the top. Mm, okay, cute. I'm a, well. I'm gonna stick with it. I see why niggas love Game of Thrones now because it's it's really giving. It's mess. Yeah, it's white it mess. And there's eight seasons of it. It's they an hour and a half a piece. I'm into it. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna start watching Game of Thrones so I can be like, I just started rewatching. So let me know. Okay, cool. Like your great 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 grandmama did the same thing, bitch. You had an honest. That's your fire. Um, well, I don't watch any of that, but I love it for y'all. It sounds amazing. <laughs> Aaron is a fan of Lord of the Rings. Not yeah, I feel like same, 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 right? Like They're very similar. similar. I feel yeah. like they could be in the same universe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Where I'm not against Martin it. I just fan. never. Who? So. The person who wrote the books that Game of Thrones is based on is a huge mm-hmm. fan of Lord of the Rings. That's why he took RR as his middle name. So the people who wrote Game of Thrones are the same ones who are doing um, House of Dragon. Yeah, they're based on the same books and they have some of the same cast. But no, I mean like the story runners. Oh, okay, so not the ones that like fucked up the last season. Yeah, no, fuck them guys. Okay, <laughs> I was like, damn, they re- they redeemed themselves, but I yeah. guess not. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, I did not know that, Carter. Thank you for enlightening me on that. That's so cool. Yeah, I love Game of Thrones. I'm obsessed. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely gonna crimes. Yes, yeah, crimes. <laughs> yeah, crimes. Real crimes. Fantasy crimes. <laughs> um, do we want to do the one that just happened and then we can go into the story? Um, yeah. Sure. Okay. The, the one I was talking about? Yeah. Okay, so this is an article from The Telegraph and the title is Woman Found Stabbed to Death After Welfare Check Ends in SWAT Standoff, Georgia Police Say. 
Um, this article is from October 24th. So two days ago was today, mm-hmm. the 26th. Okay. Yeah. I haven't mm-hmm. left my bed in like three days. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so two days ago, um, the welfare checks turned SWAT standoff led to the discovery of a woman fatally stabbed inside her home. Police in Georgia say Atlanta officers were called for wellness check at 8 15 PM Saturday, October 22nd and learned a man had barricaded himself inside with a woman, according to police. The man refused to come out, after which the SWAT team and crisis negotiators were called to the home, police said. SWAT officers eventually forced their way inside and found the woman dead from apparent stab wounds. The suspect was arrested at the scene, according to police. Additional details weren't immediately available. The victim hasn't been publicly identified. McClatchy News reached out to Fulton County Medical Examiner offices on Monday, October 24th, and was awaiting a response. Authorities also declined to release the suspect's identity, but the woman's son identified him as her live-in boyfriend, WAGA reported. A neighbor also said the woman had been trying to escape domestic abuse. She was the lighthouse of our family, her son told the station. She kept us intact. He said he called the police after the man threatened him when he stopped by the home on Saturday. Now he's mourning the loss of his mother. Police said the investigation is ongoing. Yes, it's a really sad story. And October is um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So Mm -hmm. that's very ironic. Yeah, Yeah. sad all around. But the police don't never do shit because, I mean, the son said he felt like something was up. And here we are. The lighthouse of our family is so beautiful. I've never heard that before. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that's gorgeous. Oh, that's really sad. Mm. And I and it's it's sad because like I understand when it comes to premature death and with black folks that happens to all of us like right the whole community regardless of your identity but there's something very I don't know I don't know what the word is like insidious or it just makes me feel it's like like a dangerous threat that kind of looms over everything that like so many women are just so at risk of being murdered. So like, and just, and just disposed of, like, Mm -hmm. I have, I have not heard the story. I have not seen it on social media at all. Like I just haven't. And you know, stuff like that, of course. Yeah. deserves publicity, but also like, what the fuck was the police doing? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Shit like that just really fucks with me. Um, having to watch women uh, go through shit like that and black people specifically, but, um, yeah, it's horrible. And knowing she was actively trying to escape the situation, like I'm sure they right. failed her many times. Right. Like, do y'all even care <laughs> at all? Well, we we already know that answer to that question, but like, right. yeah, no. do y'all actually care? No. Mm-mm. Not yeah. enough. They only care when something happens like this, and barely really then, nice. just enough to keep their their names out of it. Right. Mm. Definitely got to keep updates in um, future episodes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so we have one more story for current and crime, and um, <laughs> it's uh, I found this on Baller Alert, y'all. <laughs> so the title is "Chicago Woman Chops Up Landlord, Puts Her Remains in a Freezer Following Eviction Notice." So this was posted. Um, so this happened on the 11th of October. So a Chicago woman is sitting behind bars after the dismembered body of her landlord was fine, was found inside her freezer. Sandra Kalalu has been hit with several charges related to the disturbing death of Frances Walker, who ran a boarding house where Kalalu lived. 
Other tenants became concerned when they heard screaming and loud banging at around 2.30 a.m. Tuesday morning. I bet they did. This is like a (laughs) One texted Walker's phone but got no response. Another reported hearing dishes breaking and what sounded like scratching noises in the home's shared quarters. They then began receiving suspicious text messages from Walker's phone, directing them to give Kalalo their keys if they moved out. The tenants reported Walker missing, but said they were too afraid to call 911 because Kalalo had threatened harm to them in the past. Eventually, a missing person report was filed. Police responded to calls for a welfare check Tuesday night in the 5900 block of North Washington Avenue during their search. The officers discovered blood throughout the home, including on knives and in the bedroom. Upon opening the freezer, they located more blood along with Walker's severed head, arms, and legs. Oh, no. Her her torso remains missing. Kalalo refused to speak with authorities about the grim findings. Even after she was taken into custody, Kalalo refused to cooperate and has not disclosed any information or motive. However, detectives do know that Walker served Kalalo with an eviction notice in the days before her murder, which likely set the woman off. Kalalo was charged with first-degree murder and concealing a homicidal death. She is also facing a misdemeanor count of aggravated assault with a deadly, with a deadly weapon, stemming from a separate incident where she pulled a knife on a tow truck driver shortly after Walker's death. She was order, ordered held without bond. What the fuck? <laughs> Not seven head. Right. That is a lot. That is. Oh, after we just talked about Dahmer, like, what, last week? Two weeks ago? Mm. Like, oh, that is uh, a lot. The torso is, hasn't been located. Where is it? Where the yeah, fuck no, is that's too much. I can't even. I can't. It's, it's really giving like she ate that shit. But also, the torso is full of, like, vital organs. So it's like, she could have easily, like, sold did something it? with those organs. Oh, Ooh. like, sold them? I don't even know. I don't even know how that works. I, I don't Wait, know. I know this is not what we're talking about, but did y'all see that person who went like out of country to get a BBL and their kidney ended up getting taken out? Oh, fuck no. Oh, I did no. Not. Y'all didn't oh, see that? God. We should have done that. And see, that's why I'm going to California for mine. <laughs> <laughs> As if you need it. You're going to have all your all your kidneys, friend. <laughs> I hope so. I need them. What, what country did they go to? I don't know. Let me look it up. Oh, my God. Now that I mentioned God. it. <laughs> You know, save the girls. We're gonna have to circle back to that for current and crime. Yeah, okay, yeah. we'll circle back. But that that's not the story we're talking about right now. But yeah, that is wild. Yeah. I feel like you said before we actually started recording live, dismemberment is a whole extra level. I feel like we actually say that often, but it really mm-hmm. is like it is truly cutting somebody's head off. Like they're oh, yeah, looking no. at you while you server their neck. Like you have you have to one be capable of murder and then two be capable of dismemberment. And like, three, have the physical strength. Yeah, and patience. Because uh, what? Dismemberment? Like, you chopped a head off and you kept it? Did she have a hacksaw? Like, what was she using? It just says knives. Mm-mm. Knives were covered in blood. It doesn't say anything Mm-mm. else. I can barely chop up a full chicken. Like, Look, without no. Gagging. I tried it once. It's not for me. The it really thing. isn't. Sometimes when I eat whole wings, I get freaked Listen. out when I have to break the joint. I'm never bringing the turkey to Thanksgiving. Like, never expect that. <laughs> I'll be chopping up. Like, I'll make a TikTok salad and I'll just be like, whew, I'm drinking. <laughs> like, listen. Okay. Cause this, Not a TikTok salad. A body? No. That girl. But also, no. in a boarding house, I'm sorry. This is why I can't live in an apartment no more. But if I start hearing scratching and screaming and booming and banging and start getting weird texts, I'm out. Like, yeah. No. 
immediately. I'm not blaming any of them for not leaving. You got to have somewhere to go. But mm-hmm. that shit's scary as fuck. Like, I'm not playing these games with y'all. I'm popping up at one of y'all house with all my all my shit. <laughs> all like, Come on, everything friend. I could grab in the first <laughs> in, in 10 minutes. I'm on in because we're not doing it. <laughs> right. This or murder. Like, Me, my cats, and a pair of baller shorts. <laughs> 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 we no, live here real. now <laughs> oh, but it seemed like she had a, a violent past like she was threatening the other tenants and whatnot also yeah. you're bold as hell to, to text them from <laughs> her phone talking about give me give, keys. give the keys like <laughs> come what? on girl that's it obvious feels like a, like, that feels like me. a psychotic break to me because that doesn't make any sense no whatsoever. it doesn't it they obviously know something is up mm-hmm. if you was to do some shit like that but yeah at first when i first heard the story i thought it was like oh you know, they tried to put her out on some like she couldn't afford rent type shit, and then mm-hmm. she could, like I was like, ah, okay, yeah, yes. violent, very violent. Mm-hmm. Landlord but also a job. Just fuck these you. landlords, yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. that's not the case. So yeah. I take yeah. away my original stance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oops. So, no, that was wild. But damn. Anyway, that was current and crime. It's there's a lot of crime happening currently. It really is, and summer is usually the season for crime. And I know it's spooky season, but it feels like niggas been wilding, like especially hard. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I was like, was niggas having way too much fun this summer, and then we was like, we'll pop out next time. Like, (laughs) I don't know what is going on because this shit is amping up real, real quick, really quick. Man, Mm -hmm. all right. Well, we'll be back with our main story. All right, so we are back with our main story. This week's lead investigator is Moi Carter. Um, with it, let's fucking go. <laughs> right? <laughs> I feel like you always choose really good stories. Oh, thanks. Uh, well, this week I tried to choose something that is Halloweeny because this episode will be out on Halloween, even though we didn't necessarily plan it that way. Hey, um, happy Halloween, y'all! It just so happened to work. Ooh. Um, <laughs> content warnings, necrophilia, violence against women, strangulation, sexual assault, um, and good old fashioned murder. The story is actually pretty sad, but it um, takes place on Halloween. <laughs> damn. Okay. Cool. So we're going to start from Halloween in 2012, which is when the main part of the story went down. No, that was kind of soon. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yesterday. yesterday. Mm-hmm. Halloween 2012, Rebecca Gay goes missing. So in 2012, Rebecca Gay was a 24-year-old woman. She was a mother to her three-year-old son named Conway, and she was her mother's name. So Rebecca Gay's mom is Sally Gay. And Sally Gay is the leader of the local church in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. So they have like this really like tight-knit kind of small town vibe going on. The church is like consists of everyone in their community mm-hmm. and um you know they're not like rich or anything like that rebecca like i said is a single mom she lives in a trailer park I believe her mom's not super well off either but she's been leading this church for many many years and they're just like staples in the community well known throughout it and all that um from everything that i could see that anyone had to say about rebecca she was a really really sweet girl a loving and kind person um 
her son was her whole world. He was three years old, like I said. So she was really focused on him. And she worked really hard to make sure he didn't miss out on anything, even though she was raising him alone. Um, she was particularly excited for this Halloween because she was able to get a shift at work that allowed her to get off in enough time to go trick-or-treating with her son, mm-hmm. which made it even more suspicious that she went missing. Um, she was supposed to go trick-or-treating with her son and her boyfriend at the time, whose name was Aaron Quinn. Hey, Aaron. <laughs> oh, why not? <laughs> I, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> oh, um... So she was known to be like really punctual and super communicative, like because she had a kid and other people helped her parent him. She was always like updating folks. Like if she had to stay late at work or if there was something going on, obviously she would text. So when she didn't show up for her shift on Halloween morning, her coworker was like, okay, that's super unlike Rebecca. So I'm going to go to her house and I'm going to check on her. So she did. Rebecca didn't answer the door. Mm. Her coworker got even more worried because she couldn't get a hold of her at all. And although like she wasn't answering the door, her car wasn't at her house, but it was at a bar that was like adjacent from her house. So like Rebecca lived in a trailer park, but like adjacent from where her trailer was, there was this bar where you could like see it from like her front porch or the steps to her house or whatever. And the car was like backed into the trees or the brush over there, which was strange. Yeah, it's weird. Um, so the coworker got in touch with the landlord for the trailer and had him let her into Rebecca's house and Rebecca was nowhere to be found in there, but it looked like something had gone down in the trailer and her purse had been left on the counter, um, which stood out to her friend because like, I guess it was like a nice purse and Rebecca's like kind of proud of it. You know, like when you get to tell far and you like, <laughs> you talk about it, you're proud of it. You don't just leave it sitting anywhere. So the fact that like her car is at the bar, her purse is in her house and it looks like something had gone down that worried everybody even more. So at this point, everyone is like stressed out. Um, they got like her mom, all her friends and neighbors involved and obviously called, called the police. And it was treated like a missing person's case almost immediately. Now, Mm-hmm. You probably guess at this point that she's white because they treated it like a missing person case almost immediately. Yeah, most but definitely. They took it really seriously um, just because it was super out of character for her and, you know, what I just said. Hmm. So while the police were searching Rebecca's house, they found a spot on the carpet that looked like it had just been cleaned because all the carpet around it was like matted down. And this one spot was like fluffed up. They also noted that it looked like there had been a struggle in the house. And so her home was officially declared a crime scene. The cops began canvassing the neighborhood and questioning the friends and the family of her. And so obviously you start with the boyfriend and any other men of interest when it's a woman that's missing. So they questioned Aaron Quinn, the person you said was up to earlier. (laughs) (laughs) And he told police that he had talked to Rebecca a couple times the night before, but when he texted her that morning, the text didn't go through. So anyone who has an iPhone knows that when you send an iMessage to someone else who has an iPhone, it's uh, blue. Period. When he sent, right. <laughs> blue level gang. <laughs> um, but when he sent the text messages her, to her that morning, it turned green. So that means it was only one of a handful of things. So either she had blocked him, her phone had been turned off or her phone was no longer in service. So, you know, this stood out to him because they hadn't been fighting or anything. So he didn't think he was blocked. And like, it just was unlike her to not have her phone and not be responsive. Um, 
And they, the, the police said that he seemed like genuinely upset and like shaken by her disappearance or the fact that no one could find her. So pretty immediately they were satisfied that Aaron didn't seem like he knew where she was or had anything to do with like why she wasn't where she was supposed to be. Mm. So then the police moved on to question Rebecca's baby father, whose name is Chad. So that's so stereotypical. It is (laughs) of like the alpha, or well, I guess like proposed alpha or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Frat boy, yeah, white baby daddy, yeah. (laughs) Um, so when he's brought in for questioning, he's cooperative and he says that like he and Rebecca had been like co parenting well, they didn't have any really like any real issues or anything like that. But he did eventually get like agitated in being questioned because he was like, Y'all are holding me here and questioning me, but I could be out there looking for her. So, like, why are we still here? And um, I get that. Right. I was like, that's actually hella relatable. But the investigator is like, okay, well, like, we really just got to get through these questions. So he, like, starts questioning him more and gets him to relay the timeline of that morning. So Halloween morning. So... You know how separated parents do. Well, I don't know. As a kid, this was my experience. But your parents choose like a random ass place and they meet in the parking lot and they exchange the kid back and forth. Like a drug deal. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Handing off the child or the children. (laughs) So he and Rebecca would meet different places to exchange uh, custody of Conway. And that morning, Chad was supposed to meet Rebecca in a Myers parking lot. It's like a convenience or a grocery store in Michigan or whatever. They have him in, in uh, Cincinnati too. Oh, cute. It might we be love, a Midwest uh, thing. I was about to say, we love a Midwest staple like Donato's. I still got to go get my pizza. Yes. Um, so when he arrived to pick up Conway, Rebecca wasn't there. Instead, he was met by Rebecca's mother's boyfriend, whose name was John White. No. Right. It wasn't completely out of the ordinary, but I mean, it was like, you know, he, it it was out of the ordinary enough for him to make note of it. But John would sometimes like drop off or watch Conway for Rebecca. Okay. Because John White had been in a relationship with Rebecca's mom for six years at that point, five or six years. I saw conflicting information, but at least five years. And he lived in the same trailer park as Rebecca and Conway. So like, like I said, every once in a while, he would look after Conway for Rebecca. Like if she had to work or to like drop her off, I mean, drop him off with Chad, you know, if Rebecca couldn't do it or whatever. Every time you introduce a new man, I'm like, is he the one? Right, me. <laughs> it's that man. Um. So at this point, investigators are still just doing their due diligence, right? So, you know, they've got a new name, a new piece of the puzzle. So they bring in John for questioning because he's a part of this timeline and maybe one of the last people to see Rebecca. Mm -hmm. Um, So they bring him in, start asking him questions. Um, John wasn't just Rebecca's mom's boyfriend, possibly fiance. Saw both, both of those tossed around. But he was also a minister at the church. The same church that Rebecca's mom led. Hmm. So stand-up citizens supposedly lived in the same neighborhood, took care of Conway or whatever. He tells investigators that he went over to Rebecca's that morning to pick up Conway. And because like there were lights on inside the house and this was like their normal routine or whatever, he just let himself in. Um, He said he didn't actually see Rebecca, but he heard somebody from the bathroom yell out, Hey, I'm in here, which he assumed it was Rebecca. And, um, 
he just like settled in on the couch because what was supposed to happen was Rebecca had to leave really early for work. So John was supposed to come watch Conway until Rebecca had to leave for work. And then once it was time to take Conway and get him ready to drop him off with Chad, that's what he would do. So he came in and he says that he never sees her, but that around 6.30, she said goodbye and said to turn down the heat when he left for the day. And he laid down the couch on the couch to take a nap until it was time to get up and get Conway ready. The next thing he said he recalled was a Conway waking him up around 8 o'clock in the morning, like super excited for Halloween. And so John says he dressed Conway up in a Spider-Man costume and got him ready for the day and then took him to meet his dad at the grocery store parking lot. So while John is being questioned, the cops notice that he has scratches on his hands and a cut on his nose. And obviously they're like, what's up with that? Right. So John says that he was doing some cleaning in his trailer and a shelf had fallen down and hit him in the face. No. So. <laughs> Where do you get the scratches on your hand from? <laughs> right. But the cops go to his trailer. Like they communicate with the cops that are still on the scene in the field. And they go and like look in the trailer and John points out the shelf and they're like, okay, this is possible. If not necessarily plausible, but this is possible. Mm-hmm. So... The cops, still doing their canvassing, began asking the neighbors and the friends and family about John. And a bunch of people from the congregation were like, we love John. He's great. Like, we like the way that he ministers. And, you know, one elder in their congregation was like, there's no way he could ever have anything to do with Rebecca's um, disappearance. Like, this is a good man. And while most of the feedback was good, there were people who were like, well, Actually, John is bad vibes, and I have questions. Um, some people like described him as creepy, said he was strange, just like got like weird energy from him, oh. which is honestly always enough for me. But yes, mm-hmm. honestly, because <laughs> yes. every story, literally every story that we've done, especially the ones in like um, uh, uh, lower income uh, neighborhoods, it's always like this guy who like does everything for everybody, and then there's a few people who are like. But he was also a little pervy. He was also a little weird. Right. But I love him, no, but I love him, no, but I love right, him. right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a, that's a definitely a tool that like men like that use because it's like okay, well, I got to counteract like my weird energy. Like I feel like there's a little bit of self awareness there. Like I know I might be a little off putting, so let me join the church. Let me volunteer. Mm-hmm. Let me like go up to the school and do X Y Z, whatever. Access to people, right? And a a potential to be seen in a better light. Um, So at this point, John is officially the last person to have come in contact with Rebecca. So they're like, all right, well, will you take a polygraph test to just like confirm the things that you're saying, your story? And at first he's like, no, absolutely not. And they're like, all right, well, if you're telling the truth, then like there's, nothing to be afraid of and even rebecca's mom is like like i may understand why you're a little bit reserved about like going to take a polygraph talk to the cops but again if you haven't done anything then there's nothing to be afraid of so you should go do it so he was like okay i'll go do it now the polygraph machine or interview room or whatever the case was an hour drive to lansing from mount pleasant so on the way to the polygraph test, the investigator that's driving the car, he's like, I feel like 
even if he didn't do it, he knows more than he's letting on. So he's like, let me try to make him comfortable. Let me start asking him questions, start getting to know him, build trust or whatever. So he starts asking him about his life and his background and, you know, just regular conversation, I guess, that people have. So in doing so and having the conversation, John admits to the cop that he's hesitant to take the polygraph test because of his criminal past. And he thinks that his criminal past will make him a suspect. So he then tells the cops what his criminal past entailed. I'm going to ask y'all, should I tell y'all what he told the cops or should I tell y'all what actually happened? I can do it either way. Oh, tell us us what he told the cops. But also before you do that, I have two thoughts. First thought, what would your criminal past have to do with you lying about this current crime? If you didn't do it. Exactly. And number two, I am very iffy about lie detector tests because weren't they disproven to be like concrete evidence? Like, haven't we all kind of decided that they don't really mean anything? Yeah, that and um, blood splatter science. Right. So it's like, I'm not like as turned off by him not wanting to do the test before you told me it was because of his criminal past. Because if I was in a situation like that, I'm not doing Mm -hmm. it either. Mm Because first of all, I sweat a lot. I get nervous for no reason, let alone if I did a crime. So it's probably going to say I'm lying regardless. Definitely. Like, where's my lawyer? Right. Period. And no, I'm not (laughs) taking your damn test. But, they do a um they do yeah. a preliminary test, I guess where they ask you your name. I would have failed that. Right, right. I don't I, remember. Like, <laughs> is my name Carter? Uh, I mean, I changed it. So I is mean, it my I name? I don't know. Which one? The one that I, I also go by another name. I don't know. My mom calls me this. Like I don't know. <laughs> is Pookie Bear? Does that count? Like, <laughs> please don't lock me up, please. <laughs> Clayco was not fun. Who <laughs> child? Who you telling? But yeah, um, um, I just do but yeah, no. The fact that I promise. The fact that he brought up his criminal past, that, that like for me, if I was the cop, and I mean, yeah, like I would have locked him up right there. I'd be like, oh, what's your, what, <laughs> what kind you of did? past? Because you did. Why would that make you fail this test? Right. Did you sexual assault and murder somebody? I think you did. Arrested guy. <laughs> Get him. Clink, clink. Uh-huh. Okay, got tell, him, tell us what he told the cop first. Yeah. So he kept it really simple. He told the cops that he was tried on an attempted murder case, but that it was thrown out. Um, and he ultimately only served two years. That's what he told the cops. What? That's kind of intense. It was if it was thrown out. Why did you serve two years? Oh, see, um, I mean, good, good question. That's a good question. <laughs> oh my god, niggas be oh, they be lying. They <laughs> send a shiver up my spine every time I think about it. They be, they be lying. <laughs> they do be lying. They do be lying. So here's the here's what actually happened. Here's the full story. So the story that I'm telling right now takes place in 2012. We're going to go back to 1980. So John was 22 at the time and he was married. Um, I forget what year he was born, but I know his birthday was May 20th. I don't even have it in my notes, but I remember that for a specific reason. Anyway, he's a Taurus. <laughs> oh, I was, <laughs> um, yikes. Yeah. And a full grown adult man. So in 1980, he invited over his 17-year-old neighbor, whose name was Teresa Etherton, no. to supposedly look at a racetrack he kept in his basement. This no. is already too much for me. You don't have no, no pictures? This is literally already too much for me. Why right. are you, as a grown mm-hmm. 22-year-old man, inviting over a little girl to look at a racetrack in your basement? Like, that's creepy as fuck. I'm sorry. You're 22, first of all. You're a grown-ass nigga. You care about racetracks like that wheels? much? <laughs> 
Is that a racetrack? <laughs> and I'm like, basement. how big ain't, is it? Ain't why nothing is it wrong with a hobby. Ain't nothing wrong with a hobby. But no, like, not at all, sir. Why well, are you your 17-year-old neighbor in, invested in that? And how did you find that out? Was you having conversations with this little girl? And why you invite her over to look at the racetrack in your basement alone? A basement. Oof. A basement. Oh yeah, nobody's here. You could yeah, you could just come check it out. Just me and you. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. And you're married, sir. You should not be having seventeen-year-old girls in your basement, regardless. Ex- that don't mm. make. That, it's about five decisions that you made in point two seconds, and we just we just ripped. Well. It was all wrong. It was guilty. All wrong. Guilty. <laughs> so that's where the trigger warning started to come in. So once she came down into the basement, he stabbed her from behind. He Whoa. stabbed her repeatedly, fourteen times in total. Oh my fucking god! And then he choked her and he told her, this is a quote. He said, you're going to go now. And she told this quote. He says, I'm really sorry you had to go like this. But he said, but what the fuck? You're just a woman. What? Somehow she survives this encounter and escapes. John gets arrested. And at trial, John was allowed to plead no contest and was convicted of sexual or of assault with intent to do great bodily harm as opposed to like attempted manslaughter or attempted murder. Attempt? He stabbed her. He stabbed her 14 times. But he pled no contest to the lower charge of assault with intent to do great bodily harm, which carries a much different sentence. So he apologized to the judge and he asked for help instead of prison time. He basically told the judge like i know i have problems i know i need help i would really like help for the issues that i'm dealing with blase blase um he told the judge quote i wouldn't listen to people that tried to tell me that i did have a problem and i realized that now the judge sentenced him to five years was so was like outside of the jail time was he put into like a program for yeah. like rehabilitation so a part of his sentence was that he was supposed to um stay in counseling and get mental health support while he was incarcerated wow who knew that was an option what the it's only for abolition is only for white people <laughs> literally i'm sorry i won't do it again my bad actually somebody did tell me i needed help but i ain't listen but i'm sorry right um, yeah i was having a bad day my bad Right. Instead of just playing with my racetrack and decompressing, I decided to to lure a teenager. (laughs) Or with my wife. (laughs) My friends. (laughs) So after the fact, after his sentencing and everything, he filed an appeal and he stated that his attorney made a mistake mistake by not raising the insanity defense. Um, Instead of getting a whole new trial, he ended up getting a deal as a result of that appeal. And his guilty verdict was reversed. The case was remanded and he was released after only serving two years. He had to be on probation and he was required to stay in mental health uh, treatment. So he stabbed this girl, the 17 year old girl, 14 times, choked her out, fully intended to kill her, told her he was going to kill her. She told the courts he told her he was going to kill her. And he did two years in probation and had to go to a therapist. (laughs) 
I've heard what? people using like that their I don't know the like lawyer language or whatever, but that their lawyers didn't do their job is like a reason why they should get time off. Mm-hmm. Like does the lawyer then have any consequence or they just go on to the next case? That's a good like, question. <laughs> I'm not sure if they do. I think that's just like it's just procedure. Like if you lose, then you file for ineffective counsel. That's the words, yeah. Yeah, being ineffective isn't like necessarily illegal. It doesn't it probably don't look good on your record to yeah, for people to file that, but I mean, if people trying to get out of jail, like, I feel like if it's file. egregious enough, though, like somebody can file for disbarment, but that would have to be something that the I feel like the people, like the clients, take on, and who wants mm-hmm. to do all that? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. so now we fast forward to 1994. A 24-year-old girl or woman, Vicky Wall, goes missing from Comstock Township in Kalamazoo. So John had known Vicky through work and although he was still married to the same woman and had two kids and his wife was pregnant with their third kid, he was having an affair with Vicky wall. (sighs) Vicky had last been seen on surveillance camera at 3am in a store parking lot, getting into a truck with a bearded man. When John was initially questioned, he claimed he didn't know anything about anything because that's what niggas say. And then when they confronted him with their surveillance footage and was like, nigga, is this not you? He admitted to having met there and said that she was alive when he left. And the days that followed, so they didn't have enough to like arrest him based on that surveillance footage. So in the days that followed, he tried to kill himself. He overdosed on uh, pills and did a bunch of, drank a bunch of alcohol. He later told investigators he may have hurt Vicky during one of his quote-unquote blackouts. And this is a quote from a detective. He said, John advised that he had blackout spells and that he thinks he does violent things when he has blackouts. I asked him if it was possible that he had done something to Vicky or hurt her, and he indicated that it was possible. The cops then searched John's truck using luminol, which indicates the presence of blood well the iron that's in blood and it lit up in several places this is a quote from an article that i did some research from said at the time dna testing was in its infancy a state police dna expert told target eight they needed 500 nanograms of blood enough to cover part of a dime to test for dna and it had to be fresh it had to be something quite visible and sizable said jeff Knight, a biology program coordinator for the michigan state police crime lab Today, instead of 500 nanograms, they need just half a nanogram, and it doesn't have to be fresh. And I said, a source close to the 1994 investigation told Target 8 that prosecutors might have gotten a murder conviction had they confirmed it was the victim's blood. So at this point, investigators are still searching for Vicky's body. Six weeks later, somebody's walking along sound like an old, uh, like, grown over train track. And he saw what looked like like drag marks, just like disturbance in the grass. So he was curious about it. And he followed the marks until he came upon a white tennis shoe. And he keeps walking, which is wild to me. Cause at that point I would have been like, nah, I'm going to call the police, but he kept walking and he discovered a pair of women's underwear. And then that's what he could smell with just smelled like rotting flesh. It was like, overwhelming. Oh, and oh. then he caught a glimpse of a skull. And then he finally got the fuck out of there and called the cops. Oh, my fucking God. That's so yeah. fucking scary. K 
can you imagine? Like, I'm not investigating that. And not alone. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. So, the body was covered by a shirt with a bra wrapped around the neck. The body was so badly decomposed that an official cause of death could not be found, but they said it was suggestive of homicide. At this point, John was finally arrested and charged with murder. John eventually claims that while he and Vicky were last together, she overdosed and he like got stressed out, freaked out, whatever, and just abandoned her body. Due to lack of evidence, John was allowed to plead guilty to involuntary manslaughter. At his sentencing, he called Vicky's death a tragic accident, but didn't provide any more details than he had already confessed. And he was sentenced to the maximum for his plea, which was only 8 to 15 years. How in the fuck? He's had the same wife this whole time. Well, yeah, but at this point, (laughs) he going to prison, prison, and that it doesn't doesn't survive that. Right, but I mean, but after like the first incident, Mm-hmm. They were still together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Why together. the fuck are we all still together after that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Couldn't be me. No and contest. Somebody yeah. accused me of stabbing. Uh, first of all, I'm not going to have a 17 year old in my house, period. Like, I'm not. This is my nephew when he turns 17. I'm not doing that. And then we're not going to be alone. Like, why would I be alone with a teenager? Like, even Make if you use the phone, sense. you can use the phone on the porch. Like, I don't. Like, it, not in my basement. Like, in the basement. Let alone doing bodily harm to a teenager in the house that you were alone with. Like, that's very fucking weird. Seemingly and completely unprovoked. <laughs> like, right. Oh, you're a woman. Goodbye. No, I'm out of here. Matter of fact, no, the, the lot's going to be changed when you get back. Ain't no, ain't no, oh, I'm going back to my wife. You're not going to have nowhere to stay. You can't get out on parole because who are you going to stay with? And not me. Like, I'll divorce you while you're in there. And then having kids. Uh, fuck no, no. Fuck. no. Did you let this nigga on top of you? Fuck no. Hell no. Ooh. No. Yeah. No, no, no. <sighs> so to add to the red flags, while he was in prison or during his prison sentence, he had to go to the prison psychologist throughout that time, and he like confessed to the psychologist about his fantasies to kill the prosecutor who had worked on this case, Carrie Klein, and his own attorney, Kathleen Brickley. And he said he also wanted to have sex with their bodies. Um, the prison went on to warn both of the women about, you know, the situation. And, um, you know, they were alerted and he was locked up. So nothing really came of it. But it's a lot. I mean, but obviously they still let his ass out. Like, well, I mean, his maximum sentence was 18, 15, 8 to 15 years. So he oh was released in 2007. After serving 13 of those years. Mm-hmm. I like this pisses me off because they really be like for niggas, for black and brown people, they really be like stacking people's mm-hmm. like stacking people's charges. Like Khalif Brother was in there for what? A stolen book bag? What was he in there? He didn't even go to trial. And yes, he was in there for a stolen backpack and never even like got to go to trial. He sat in there all that time because the, the, the courts were too overloaded. Right. Had to do all that time, like people, people really be doing time over the, like they be locking up like fourteen, fifteen year olds and trying them as adults and shit like that, like stuff like that. But then shit like this happens, and it's like, oh my bad, I didn't mean to kill her. Niggas be doing life in jail over a fucking dime bag because it's their third strike. Like it makes no sense. 
But um, so after being released in 2007, he then moved to Mount Pleasant. No. Where he met Rebecca's mom and became a minister in the church that she led. Now, the church was aware of him having served prison time. What? But, but well, two things, right? Well, I'm not surprised. No, never mind. I'm not surprised. Church is supposed to be about forgiveness, whatever, whatever. But he told them that he got in trouble for not calling 911 after his girlfriend overdosed, which is a lot different than being tried for her murder. Very much. Also, and he didn't even mention the other thing. Exactly. Exactly. So they were like, okay, you want to come into the fold of Christ or whatever it is that they say, we forgive you. You can like be a part of our congregation. And but not even a part, a leader? A minister, which I thought was really wild. But like. They couldn't ask Jesus to do a background check? <laughs> I don't understand. Isn't God all knowing? He could have been like, hey, don't fuck with him. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? that voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would have been, uh, been beneficial. So fast forward back to 2012. John is taking his polygraph test and investigators are still looking around John's property simultaneously. So John's at the polygraph test. Cops are still like canvassing and searching his property um, as much as they can without like a full blown warrant. In the trunk of Rebecca's car, which is parked by the bar that was adjacent to her trailer, they found a necklace that looked like it belonged to her or a woman in general that was clasped, but it looked like it had been broken in the middle. So it looked like it had been pulled off of somebody's neck. They also found blood once again in the bed of John's truck. And at this point, they get an official search warrant for John's place and all his shit. So while this is happening, John fails his poly- polygraph test, which I'm sure surprises no one. Not at all. Um, Investigators at this point questioned him well into the night. Like nobody took any breaks. It's like three o'clock in the morning on November 1st at this point. And investigators at this point have pictures of the evidence that they have so far being the uh, necklace in the trunk of Rebecca's car and the um, blood that they found in the bed of his truck. And then just like the state of Rebecca's home. So at this point, you know, they're doing their lead work. They really are. I feel like I'm never going to give the cops credit, but it seems like they had a lot of people on this case right away. So you got the people that are in the field, like doing the, the, um, serving the search warrants. You have the people doing the polygraph test. And then there are also people running the background check and all that on John. And this is when they find out what John really went to prison for. Back in his house, the other cops that are serving the search warrant, they find a rubber mallet, zip ties, trash bags that look like they had been recently used, and women's panties in the trash. Floppy as fuck. Truly. So by 4.30 a.m., the cops have been like, listen, you may as well just go ahead and like, Tell us what's going on. Like, we have all this evidence. It's not looking good. And then one investigator in particular was like, the one thing that like I did feel about John was that he did really love his girlfriend. So I was like, you need to give her peace. Like, where is her daughter? We need to know where her daughter is and appeal for him, appeal to him from that angle. And by 430 AM, John is like, all right, I want to make a deal. He said he wanted to serve life in prison. 
segregated from like gin pop. So he wanted to be, I guess, in solitary confinement or whatever. And he also wanted to make one last phone call. So with his phone call, he calls Sally and there's video of him from the interrogation doing this. He calls Sally. Damn, I want to watch it. Um, I'll send you the episode that I did the research from. It's going to be in my resources. Okay. He talks to her on the phone and he says, and he's like tearful at this point, which is really fucking annoying. He said, you probably won't see me again. You probably won't hear, hear from me again, but you're the love of my life. And he said he was so sorry and that he couldn't fix it. That's what he says to Sally, Rebecca's mom. After he's done with his phone call, he fully confesses everything that's happened to the detectives. So apparently John had been interested in Rebecca for a while to the point where Rebecca had admitted to others like reluctantly that John made her uncomfortable sometimes, but obviously like he's her mother's partner. Like he watches her kid. So like not to the degree where like she didn't interact with him, but she just got a weird feeling. And I thought this was weird. She had recently gotten a perm and so like her hair was curly and that seemed to have like ramped up his interest even more. And so he would start like showing up to her job unannounced and just like applying like weird pressure. What? Right. Not a perm. Well, the other, yeah. did the other women in his life, the ones who, they were all white. Did, did they, they have curly hair? Um, I think the first one might've, but uh, Becky Hall definitely didn't. I will say I saw a picture of her with the perm. She looked, she was really pretty. Like she was a cute girl and the perm definitely was a good look for her. So maybe it was just like, it just changed her level of attractiveness for him. Um, So John tells the cops that on the evening of October 30th. So the day before Halloween, he had had a few beers, several beers and trigger warning. He had been watching some necrophilic porn. They make that. Oh gosh! So he admitted that it's something that he'd been interested in, and after having five beers, he went to Rebecca's. And I'm not sure how you get from point A to point B. Like, you have five beers, watch some weird porn, and now you're pulling up at your girlfriend's daughter's house. The thing that's like the, and I don't know. Like when I was in college, I would drink way more than five beers, and not. I mean, I guess he already has that in his mind, but I feel like five beers isn't enough for him to say like, oh, I was so drunk. I couldn't control myself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. He also, though, like, I don't know if you remember me mentioned earlier, he says that like he has these blackouts. I'm not sure how true that is, but that is something that he has said consistently throughout all of the quote unquote incidents. Yeah. He, but, and this is the other thing though, he remembers enough to recount the story. So, what is the truth? Who knows? Exactly. True. Um, yeah, got him there. Listen. <laughs> so, he gets to her door and it was unlocked. So, he let himself in. Y'all got to start locking your doors. I, it is 2022. This happened in 2012. I'm not victim blaming anybody, but lock all your shit. Like, everything needs to be locked. Call up ADT, get a security alarm. Like, there's no reason to have an unlocked door. Yeah. Um, on his way into her house, he grabbed a mallet that had been like, I guess, sitting somewhere accessible. And on his way in, Rebecca had heard him and had called out to see what was going on. When she approached, he hit her in the head with the mallet over and over again. 
While he was hitting her, she recognizes him and she said to him, I know who you are. Uh, She's still alive at this point and he came prepared. So he grabbed one of the zip ties that he had brought with him and wrapped it around her neck as tightly as he could. He then went and sat in an armchair and just kind of chilled while she just like lay there gasping for breath. Mm. When she finally died, he dragged her body into the kitchen and took all of her clothes off. At this point, he says that he touched her, but he doesn't think he sexually assaulted her. And this is also from the interrogation video. He says he doesn't think he did anything sexual to her. Um, at this point, he says that he goes back to his place to get some contractor trash bags. So like those big, heavy duty trash bags. And he covers up her body and puts her in the bed of his truck and tries to clean up after himself along the way. Then at this point, he drives to the ravine and throws her body down it. He goes back to Rebecca's trailer and tries to stage a crime scene. So he makes it look like somebody broke in. Um, a part of staging that crime scene was him taking Rebecca's car and moving it to the bar. And after doing all that, he fell asleep on her couch. And this. Next Wait, part. was falling asleep on her couch a part of the plan? I don't think there was a plan. Okay. I really don't. <sighs> but the part that really fucks me up about all this is that her son Conway was asleep in his room the whole time uh, and they're in a trailer so you know it ain't but so big um based on his confession the cops went looking for her body and they found it almost immediately they did an autopsy and the autopsy confirmed that rebecca had been sexually assaulted although they could not confirm whether it happened while she was alive or post-mortem wow yeah in March 2013, he pled guilty to second degree murder. At his trial, um, or rather at his sentencing, Sally, Rebecca's mom, gave a victim impact statement and said that there was no reason to save him. And he was sentenced to 56 years in prison. And he killed himself four months after being sentenced. Oh, damn. Of course he did. Because he's a fucking coward. Yeah, that's what I said. Of course he did. Because he's a fucking coward. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is the story of uh, John Douglas White. A wow. literal fucking monster. Oh, that's horrible. He was in a I relationship the- with her mom for five or six years. Like, I can't imagine. He probably got into a relationship with her just to get closer to Rebecca. Fair, but that's such a fucking long game. Like, yeah. five years? That's a lot. That's That's so weird. And Rebecca's mom, Sally, she said at one point that like, you know, Rebecca had her reservations or like, I guess maybe questions about John, but like obviously still dealt with him. But like even her other kids weren't super comfortable with him. And she said they must have seen something in him that she didn't. And I just can't imagine living with that. Like I really can't. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've heard too many stories of like, not this extreme, but like similar with like kids not feeling comfortable with like a parent's partner uh-huh. or whatever. And just like the types of things that come out of those situations. I'm like, whenever I have kids, if for any reason they feel uncomfortable with who I'm dating, 
I'm really going to have to seriously, seriously reconsider Yeah, mm-hmm. because there's a reason why there's a bad feeling happening there. Yeah. Right. There's um, a difference between like, I'm mad that my mom is dating yeah. and this nigga weirds me out. Right. Mm-hmm. Most right. definitely. And I think the kids are pretty vocal about that. Like the difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I feel like if your kids think your partner's weird or if they feel uncomfortable around him, you shouldn't bring him around at all. Like he never should have been. Yeah. Babysitting mm-hmm. the kid, he shouldn't have been in the mm-hmm. last at all, or no one to find him and shit. Like I don't know, it should just be a completely separate. If you if you're gonna keep that person around, because yeah. for me that would that would in, immediately be like a turn off, and I would struggle with whether or not to end it. But at the same time, like I understand how hard it is to end a relationship. Like to tell, oh my kids don't like you, so it's like you gotta go. Like grown people be lonely, and it's mm-hmm. it's not dated. It's not high school no more where you running into like fifty some people per, every day. <laughs> yeah. It's like that's probably gonna be your last relationship, if not your close to last. So I can understand why you know they be like, oh well, I'll just keep an eye on it or something like that. But like yeah, yeah. yeah. So for it to end with this, for it to escalate to this, and your other kids to be sitting at your daughter's funeral because like yeah, we told you that nigga was weird, and now look where we are. Yeah. Like that's. Then it's not a guilt that I don't think I don't think I could live with at all. Yeah, right, exactly. That was intense. Yikes! Yeah, and I mean, he was a quote-unquote man of the church. Like that makes him more creepy to me. Like that really makes him more fucking creepy. It's this video that I just posted <laughs> on Instagram. It's uh, this dude. He does um, this series called Gay Science, and he was talking about how you know everybody. I was like, is it is it safe for kids to come near queers? And he was like, but really think about it. It's is it safe? It's what what did he say? He said. Um, it's not that um, queers do harm to kids. It's that kids do harm to queers. Uh, <laughs> if a queer person is around a kid for more than five minutes, it puts them in a homotel state. <laughs> but one of the one of the factors of the uh, video was that you know y'all stop watching gay people and watch the the clergy. Like right, they're the more they have like a I think the Catholic Church has a hundred thousand open uh, child molestation cases right now. Like it's it's ridiculous. Like and it's, it's not ridiculous. a secret. Everyone in the world knows. It's not Everybody a knows. secret. That's it's what's so a, wild. Yeah. It's not yeah. a secret. Like it's how long, what was that one movie that came out like five or six years the ago? The one with Viola Davis and Meryl Street. Is that what it was? Out, oh, yes. That sounds like it's a good ass movie. What it the fuck is, is that? Viola Davis won, I think, a fucking award for it, and she only had like I don't know, 15 lines on the whole movie. It's actually pretty good. It's, she talks about happy. that in her Hot Ones interview. Yeah, oh, and it's like, okay. and people always call out. her the Black Meryl Streep, but let me, like, when you, no, can she be the Black movie, Davis. When you can be in a movie with Meryl Streep and you ain't even <laughs> got the lead role and you get an award for Best Supporting Actress, like, come on. Yeah, no. Give my girl her fucking flowers. Like, don't do. But yeah, back to the oh, priest, yeah. little kids. Y'all are fucking weird and this is why I can't vibe with religion and I'm sorry if that's your jam, but it's, it's, it makes it really difficult for me. I would a thousand times sooner let a drag queen babysit my child before Absolutely. I let a, a minister. As soon as you said minister, I'm not even gonna hold you. Gay men don't even be liking kids. <laughs> no, they really like don't. people. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Kim Booster he did a, he did a show. He was like, um, that baby wishes. <laughs> 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 I was like, no, gay people don't be thinking about kids. That the right. queers, I mean, some que- some of the queers do want to have kids. I mean, being real about yep. that, but like, I mean, y'all need to be watching these niggas. Y'all need to right. be watching y'all's boyfriends, y'all little. Uh, the, 
uh, this Hollywood, these corporate, like, I mean, it's just far know. less likely that someone who's out and proud and like firm and affirmed and who they are mm-hmm. is going to be moving in the same way as a closeted priest whose whole like, you know, Listen. shit mm-hmm. is informed by fucking weird repressed sexual fantasies and proclivities. So yeah. that's good. That's good. I, that's probably gonna be my next episode the catholic church the oh, crime. you don't need a whole podcast about <laughs> that's that one. <laughs> it's a series bitch because what the fuck like yeah. oh my god but that's that story was sad as fuck that, it, it is. is my heart breaks yeah. for her son um my heart breaks yeah. for her boyfriend too he was planning to propose to her i didn't include that in my research but Aww. yeah Aww. it ruined his life it like he has like ptsd yeah, yeah, I would too, and I probably would never get in another relationship. And how's Chad doing? Um, I didn't get a whole lot of info on Chad. I feel like he probably just focused on raising the kid and like tried his best to move on with his life. But um, I'm sure he was hurt too because I mean, honestly, from what I read, it seemed like he was also like a halfway decent guy, um, which is unfortunate. Damn! Wow. Yeah. Well. I guess now it's safe to say that Aaron Quinn is a very cute name. It is cute. <laughs> yes, I agree. Name I didn't want to say it earlier because I'm like, yeah, he's a murderer. <laughs> I can't fuck with it. I want to name my firstborn Charlie Quinn. So, because it's like Harley Quinn. But That's really cute, friend. That is so cute. I love that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, y'all. We'll be back with our um, Should This Be a Crime? Woohoo. Mm-hmm. Should this be a crime? Already, <laughs> not the remix. I'm on my first glass of wine. I'm fucking with it. Uh, You'd be like Crystal on her birthday. Oh my! You listened to that episode? Yes. What was she wild? She was laughing so hard and loud the entire time, the whole time. I was I laughing right with her. She had me her read was up. so long. Her read was so long. <laughs> I hate every week they'd be like, "I'm gonna go first because I ain't really got much." You know, I just want to say, and then it'd be 45 minutes. Right. I go, <laughs> I look to see how much of the episode is left. I'm like, all right, they about to be talking. Because it's 40 minutes left. <laughs> you found out the whole Yellow Pages, girl. <laughs> right. I'm fucking with it, though. Mm. But yeah, do y'all want me to go first? or, uh, or Let's do BBL? Yeah. Yeah, let's start with that. Okay. Woman goes to the Dominican Republic for a Brazilian butt lift, leaves missing a kidney. I have questions already, and we didn't even get to the content. <laughs> It's long been said that the Brazilian butt lift is a surgical procedure that comes with many risks. It's the most dangerous. Why would you say that? But anyway, but no one would suspect that they would be in danger of having their kidney swiped in pursuit of a curvier physique. A life coach by the name of Anita took her YouTube channel to share the cautionary tale of her friend who traveled to Dominican Republic for plastic surgery, but ended up getting more than she bargained for. The media has always made women feel insecure about some parts of their bodies with ads about true beauty looks. And in the last several years, the surgical procedure has hit society like wildfire as it has become the top trend for body appearance. The Brazilian butt lift, a.k.a. BBL, surgery uh, gives women a flat stomach, hips, and a plump butt. To achieve this Coke bottle body that celebrities and Instagram models show off, women are finding surgeons overseas for a cheaper price. In many cases, paying less is a guaranteed win because dangerous consequences that arise. 
According to Anita, known as the Nordic Drip Coaching, Nordic Drip Coaching, I have even more questions. Her friend became a victim of a cheap BBL nightmare after going to a doctor she found on Instagram. Around seven months ago, my friend went to the DR. She went to a doctor and she saw a girl post about it on IG. One thing you have to know about IG is these girls get paid to promote these doctors. Whatever amount they pay towards the doctor is being cash apped to the same girl. That's like, oh yeah, say my name. Say I sent you. They're getting a cut. According to Anita, her friend went through with the surgery, which included lipo and a tummy tuck for 3500 Damn. That However, ain't shit. That's Wait extra cheap. Girl, that's a value meal. 3500 3500 for all of that. That each of those surgeries is $15,000 thousand a piece. Yeah, no. See, uh, uh, no. That yeah. would scare the hell out of me. Th- those numbers would scare me. Yeah, yeah no, I'm not same. doing that. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'll remove your tumor for $50 in a Snickers bar. Like, that's <laughs> not, not. Please. I, that doesn't give me comfort. I'll just take the medical debt. Thank you. Right. Right. <laughs> they ain't even putting that shit on your credit report no more. <laughs> right. Run it up. <laughs> Run it up. <laughs> After a visit to her doctor, she was informed that blood results showed her kidney count as low. Her doctor then ordered a CAT scan revealing that Anita's friend was missing a kidney. It shows up only as one kidney. So down in the DR, this botched organ, this botched organ selling donor doctor took one of her kidneys and she thought she was getting the steal of her life. Anita goes on to accuse the Dominican plastic surgeon of selling her friend's kidney on the black market. I don't know how much kidneys go for on the black market, but it's, I know it's way more than 3,500. It most definitely is. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. According to Anita, her friend has been trying to reach the surgeon to no avail. The doctor has mysteriously disappeared and the woman on Instagram who referred to her uh, is allegedly a fake. Luckily, her friend is still alive and she has been able to get the help she needs, but that hasn't been the case for many women post surgery. It's been said that about 3% of the 692 surgeons survey uh survey said that they have experience with a patient's death following a BBM. Um, over the last few years, celebrities like Lala Anthony, K. Michelle have spoken out of the dark side of plastic surgery in hopes that more people do their due diligence before going under the knife. I have so many thoughts. Same. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't even know where to start. Um, first of all, it, yeah, the BBL, I think the BBL is like the most dangerous cosmetic procedure. So the fact that Somebody said that this comes with many risks. I feel like they didn't do their research. Somebody was just like writing about it or whatever. And two, it's so weird that like this standard of having like a Coke bottle body or just like a fat ass or whatever was just such a, uh, it was such a negative thing in the nineties. It was, it was, it was, and then you could look back, especially at white women um in shows and they'd be like oh do these jeans make my butt look fat like mm-hmm. it's like a whole thing and so for this uh post kardashian culture to shift i guess i don't know the needle i don't know what the fuck i call it has shifted the culture to be like now people are going down to the dominican republic getting a 99 cent bbl to look <laughs> like cent, to look like black women <laughs> from the 90s who be eating collard greens that's just did they so wild to me it's multifaceted because like it's also falling back out of fashion so people are still going down to the dr to get those bbls that are super dangerous yeah and being preyed on by people that are trafficking origin organs mm-hmm. and the quote-unquote body standard or beauty standard around bodies is actively changing specifically with kim kardashian 
like transitioning back to being a white girl, like Mm -hmm. her taking out her implants, her becoming thin, like she's real thin and like Mm -hmm. has ice blonde hair. Like that, the clean girl aesthetic is what's in now. And it's like, Mm -hmm. damn, like, yeah, that's just to get their BBL until just now are putting themselves in danger one by getting Mm -hmm. cheap. Because I, I don't think there's anything wrong with plastic surgery, but putting yourselves in danger by getting a cheap, unresearched BBL. And then you're also like, you're doing it to achieve this beauty standard that is on its way out. Technically. Yeah. Like if and you're only is, doing it for others, then. Which is so weird. Yeah. It's a comp. It's very complicated. Cause it's like you said, like ain't nothing wrong with plastic surgery. That's not the issue here. It's the fact that I don't know the race of this person, but especially it's happening to black women too. Like black women are going to get these surgeries because this thing has become the standard because of white women taking that, um, that beauty standard and then like amplifying it and selling it back to the public. And I'm just still stuck on the 3,500. Like I'm like, I'm gagged. Like I'm like 3,500. You can, you can barely get dental work done in the u.s for 3500 right yeah like i know people who need root canals and shit and they talking about five six thousand dollars right yeah and the the thing is like i don't like again like y'all said plastic surgery is not the issue here i think it's like the normalization of this like extremely extremely serious surgery to the point where people are like oh i know 30 people who have gotten this that it must not be that big of a deal Mm -hmm. i think like it's almost like to the Kim Kardashians, the like YouTubers that are really popular, the people on TikTok who get these surgeries, it's almost like their duty to explain that although there's like all these people who got it and they got it as well, that it's like very serious. Mm-hmm. And like you need to pay the money for the fucking surgery. Like don't skimp out on this yeah. surgery mm-hmm. at all. Like if you're going to skimp out on something, skimp out on like your hair stylist. Mm-hmm. Or who's going to do your nails. And even then, you could get a freaking flesh-eating disease from the mm-hmm. water. Anyway. <laughs> I think it's super interesting that Lala is one of those advocates that's, like, said, take plastic surgery seriously. And her best friend, who's Kim Kardashian, won't even admit to having had it. I know. Right. <sighs> like, remember when on the show, it was just, like, a couple of episodes ago or whatever, she did, like, a body scan. Yes. And it showed that she had uh, boob implants, her breast I, implants. Yes. And she still to this day has not admitted it. Yes. <laughs> it is. It's, yeah. it's wild. The way they gaslight the public is it's something. It's really something. They are very invested in that. But that is so that is so unfortunate for this woman because I just can't imagine. I feel terrible. I wish she had done the research and not like paid this, like you said, buy one, get one ass BBL. <laughs> But I feel like that's horrible. It's and a life altering situation. Living with one kidney is not something to take lightly. If anything happens to that one kidney, she, I mean, she could die. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that's so I scary. wonder if they would even put her on the transplant list. Cause you know, they've been making these arbitrary ass rules. Like, you know, you can't be on the plants transplant list if X, Y, Z, or if you caused right. your situation because of whatever the case. Right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. No, I'm I'm shook. I'm, I'm very shook because I'm thinking about like how much it like. Okay, let's say you make fifty thousand a year. You can save up for this BBL in two paychecks. What the fuck? 
please the way you just put it in perspective in a real way i'm just <laughs> like that doesn't and this is not even getting on because I, I know that people who aspire to have a certain aesthetic or whether it be clothes or whether it be like you know these beauty standards have an effect on all of us you know mm-hmm. especially in the algorithm be showing you people who look beautiful with these things on or with a certain body type or whatever and that shit can put you in a state of mind where it's like i have to do this thing mm-hmm. so you do what you have to do and you get those you get those deals where you can find them but at the same time it's like and like like i said not victim blaming but at the same time like i feel like a lower price on something medical should definitely like that should scare you that should scare the shit out of you yeah. nobody should be willing to to do it for that cheap now to cheaper than these other la doctors or dr miami or something like that then that's i right. mean that's up to you but like for for actual cheap like Look up the medical laws in the country that you're going to get your surgery in. Exactly. But I do want to say, if somebody, if anybody's looking into cosmetic surgery, look into care credit. It's a credit card that you can get specifically get for medical procedures, prescriptions, veterinary costs, things like that. And a lot of surgeons take it. And, you know, even if your credit isn't like eight, 15 or whatever they usually give you a pretty decent limit and so if you really feel like that's something you need to feel good in your body i would just say look into credit like credit is obviously not the best option but like be safe and that's a that's a good place to start and there are lots of great like social media accounts that um share what places what things to look out for so just do your research yes i think it's important also with the i know we're uh getting late but um i think it's important what the article also said that a lot of these influencers that y'all follow they post these places because they're getting paid to do so yeah if you're gonna listen to anybody listen to somebody who had a real experience or do your own research go into the the dark places of the web to find reviews i don't know but don't trust the people who have a little hashtag ad after they talk about their bbl right Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, most definitely. So, so okay. So, as far as taking the surgery that was thirty five hundred, I say I'll, I'll let you off with a warning because of that. I understand how <laughs> capitalism works. I understand how beauty standards work. I be falling for the algorithm, be selling me shit, and I be buying that shit with quickness. And I should have did that shit. Like, Listen, I'm I'm about to I'm about to put some more shit in my car, and knowing good and damn well, <laughs> they can't afford it, somebody. don't need it, ain't worth it. <laughs> But it would look cute as fuck. So <laughs> it is what it is. So yeah, no, I'll definitely say let you off with a warning because mm-hmm. of that. Now, all the rest of the shit, like this doctor stealing this fucking kidney. And that influencer lying. Oh yeah, and influencer. Y'all lying. need to get y'all asses whooped. Yeah. They yeah, the influencer pipeline, like this whole like system of in the influencer industrial complex or whatever the fuck like we just need to end that shit because truly it's it's definitely not that is a thing it's y'all be selling tummy tea and shit and bitches just end up with diarrhea and now they got one kidney like y'all not out here benefiting nobody influence i don't know are they influencing people to let all these niggas out of jail with these weed charges? No. Like, right. Are they influencing people to set up housing for everyone? Fuck no. They're influencing no. you to buy shit you 
cannot fucking afford and that cheap you out can literally find on Amazon most of the time. Them tummy teas, that's center leaf tea. Go to Whole Foods, get you some center leaf tea, get you the sensitive kind without any additives. It's the same shit. Like mm-hmm. these waist trainers they be trying to sell y'all, they all on Amazon. There's dupes for skims on Amazon. Like mm-hmm. these bitches be lying to y'all just to get yeah. the profit. Like it's just to pay their rent. And they don't give a fuck about your health. Just uh, just to pay their rent, like they're right. Gonna and I'm never gonna, gonna knock a rent. hustle, but I knock a hustle that hurts people. Like, yeah, exactly. no, definitely, exactly. So, yeah, the influences are the crime, crime. Yes, on them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we have a real quick one because I know we're over our usual time, but this is quick. Um, so don't laugh, Carter. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just think it's kind of funny. Like, it, it, love. Okay, it, but, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the title is Five Daycare Employees Charged with Child Abuse After Scaring Toddlers with a Scream Mask. <laughs> Abuse is a little egregious. I'm going to just go ahead and say that. <laughs> it's definitely terrible. I'm laughing at, like, what made y'all think this was a good idea? No. Like, um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Why it's did you like pull up at the job though. with a ghost face mask and scream at babies? <laughs> There's videos available too of here. Yeah, I just really it. thought that was going to be so funny. But I don't know about abuse, though. Because okay. the way I would pull up to the daycare and be ass, <laughs> all of it. I'm going to have my, own, you I'm have my own mask on. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Because if anybody's gonna scare my child, it's gonna be me. (laughs) Your ass at school or whatever. Okay. Five daycare workers are facing felony charges after a video went viral showing them purposefully scaring small children. Recently, a video circulated on social media of staff members at Little Blessings Child Care (laughs) and Learning Center. (laughs) It's it's a little. (laughs) What L I L apostrophe? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Little Blessings Child Care and Learning Center, terrifying children with a scream mask. Um, quote, are you being bad? Do I need to take you outside? The masked employee screams at the kids. At one point, the camera woman says, we are supposed to be cleaning up monster to the masked employee who continues to terrorize the kids. The staff member who even chased a toddler. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I finally got my face together. (laughs) You over there laughing. The staff member even chased a toddler around the room. (laughs) I think it's not funny what they did. This is so unhinged. It's it's absurd. That's what makes it funny. It's like, that's not the kids screaming. Why did y'all think this? Why did you think this is okay? Now you got a felony. These poor babies. Oh my God. Okay. The staff member even chased a toddler around the room and screamed inches from his face. It didn't take long for authorities to investigate the situation. On Monday, October 17, 2022, the Monroe County Sheriff's Office, the county prosecuting attorney, and the district attorney met with the parents of the children involved in the incident. We informed them of the possible criminal charges the law would allow them to pursue. Parents were also given an opportunity to share information they gathered with investigators. On Thursday, a judge issued warrants for five of the employees after multiple parents filed several charges on the workers. Sierra McCandles, um, Ossiana Kilborn, Cheyenne Shelton, and Jennifer Newman each faced three 
three counts of felony child abuse, while Tracy Hudson faces two charges of failure to report abuse and simple assault against a minor. Damn, she got in trouble for not snitching too. Like, y'all she probably didn't wow. even know she had to tell on them. She probably <laughs> just—it like, really was not worth all this. It really, it really was not. Wasn't. Like it to really terrorize some kids, three literally pick on somebody your own size. Like literally, like the way I would have pulled up in a ghost face mask and whooped all their asses. Like, yeah. <laughs> Why did they do that? It doesn't make any sense. You got to be a fucked up ass person to want to make <laughs> little kids cry. I I don't know. And maybe this is just because maybe it is abusive. I, and I just, you know, haven't unpacked how abusive it is because the household I grew up in or whatever. But, you know, like your parent, I don't know, or somebody in the family might put on like a little Jason mask and little kids might get scared. Or, you know, there's like this this weird thing that kids are afraid of. Like some kids are afraid of butterflies or something. You scare them with it. I kind of see that. But like you don't do that with other people's kids. And you don't do that at a fucking daycare where it's like a mass of kids. And you scare all of them. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, all yeah. of it doesn't make sense, but I feel like I kind of get it when it's, like, your kid and y'all just in the house with a mask on or something. I've definitely been, like, pranked as a kid and scared by, like, my cousins and shit like that. Like, my cousins that were, like, adult age when I was a yeah. child. I do think that that's a thing that, like, people need to, like, unpack and understand that, like, that is actually problematic and traumatizing for children because kids don't have the context to work mm-hmm. from to understand that this is a pop culture reference and, like, we're doing the thing. Like, that's going to be a core memory for them. They're going to be scared the rest of their lives. Right. But, like you said, it's a step beyond to do this with a bunch of strangers' kids. Like, little, yeah. little babies. Like... And can they give them heart problems or like some sort of PTSD? Probably. Yeah, that's on the they have a condition or whatever. Oh damn. Okay, I guess I gotta say it's a crime. It's definitely a crime. <laughs> it is. But it's a crime that I want to like. I want to dole out the punishment myself. Like the felony charges. I feel like felony charges. That's a lot. Like a felony yeah, a is a big deal. They should just have to fight the parents. Exactly. I I agree. I agree yeah. a thousand percent. Because the way I'm going to lay my hands, yeah. <laughs> because as soon as my child called me from the school or I pick up my kid and they, they scream and crying, or I see the tear stains on their cheeks. I'm putting the car in park and I'm going in the building <laughs> and we're going to figure this out right here and right now. <laughs> and I need to involve the cops because I'm going to whoop your ass <laughs> to the point where you're not going to come back to work. Like, yikes. Mm-mm. I'm trying to find this video, but it it'll be in the uh, in the uh, description. Oh, they're so scared. Oh, I no. bet the fuck they are. <laughs> oh, and they're little, so they're picking them up and stuff when they're trying to run away. Oh, oh, yeah, it's a crime and it's ridiculous. I'm sorry for laughing. I'm laughing at how ridiculous it is. And they just really should have known better. I I would like to know how old these people are, but regardless, like you're old enough to be in part in charge of children. Like you should know better than this. I would hope. I'm interested to see how old they are too. They're probably early twenties. They don't be paying daycare workers. Nothing. It'd be like everybody starting daycare. (laughs) Those poor babies. Yeah. They're all in their twenties. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it felt like harmless to them, but people got to recognize, like, I don't know. I just feel like we don't take children's personhood 
seriously uh-huh. or like their development levels like you can't be terrorizing three-year-olds like <laughs> you just can't do that like, yeah no it's unequivocally like a bad thing like i also think maybe i'm traumatized by the church because i knew a bit about the quote-unquote existence of demons at the age of like five so same i think i'm just so desensitized from that i'm like yeah <laughs> scaring kids okay cute <laughs> but it's like <laughs> fair it's like you don't know these all these you got what 40 kids in the room you don't know every kid's background like yeah you don't there's probably five kids out of that group of kids that will never be the same yeah. right and they're they like have just night, getting hmm? night terrors i'll say say they might have night terrors after this damn probably they're probably like just getting used to the idea of not seeing their like parent constantly because <gasps> three that's preschool yeah oh they never been like, real school yet. never again they're <laughs> <laughs> gonna be with you forever right it's gonna be 30 years in the line they're gonna be under- like confused about why they can't trust their partner like damn Aww. or why they can never watch a screen movie <laughs> that's so sad fuck them niggas <laughs> oh my god that's a crime a crime oh yeah a crime wow Ooh, this was an interesting episode we were everywhere with this one that's what i'm saying happy <laughs> halloween <laughs> but um on that note um you can find us on instagram TikTok and Facebook at Ina Podcast and on Twitter at Ina Pod. And you can listen to us on Apple. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can listen to us on Pandora now Woo-hoo. and literally anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Yay. Happy Halloween, y'all. Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween. All Hallows Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.